this is cult of domesticity we're two best friends living i don't know ohio new hampshire however far apart it's like 700 miles how many 748 i think you totally Google mapped that, haven't you? Yep, sure did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we're just going to tell each other something that interests us because, and hopefully you find it funny. I know we find each other funny. We think we're hilarious. Also, yeah. it may interest you people to know who we are. My name is Ashley. And my name is Courtney. And... Yeah. This is our first time doing this, so bear with us. There will be technical difficulties, I promise you. Yeah, we're doing this over fa- uh, FaceTime. So? Ashley is definitely in her bedroom with her... I, I'm looking at her ceiling. She is. It's a beautiful view. Yeah, and I'm in my basement, surrounded by probably all my possessions, because um, I'm in between living situations right now, and... Probably all the cat hair that my cat, my parents' cats have shed. In. I was just gonna say you're sitting in a sea of cat hair right now, and you're allergic to cats, so this will yeah, this will be fun. It. Oh, I will probably sound horrible at some point of this because I'll get sick. From so enjoy the cats. Yes, enjoy. Um, so kind of, actually, why do we decide to call this cult of domesticity? It's a weird, weird thing. Well, first of all, we're not an actual cult. We're only two people. I think there's probably a membership minimum to meet that status. But also, we don't want your money yet. Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. We'll we're see. both looking for jobs, so maybe. <laughs> but when we met, we were students, undergrads, sweet baby angels. I think we were, fre- I think we were freshmen in college. When we first met, yeah. Yep, and then we went on to be roommates, and we're big fans of stress baking, and so I think that's sort of where the domestic thing came about. Stress baking, I bake, you clean. It's all very 50s housewife. I think we both sew. Sometimes. I crochet. I can sew. I can. It's not great, but I can do it. We like to craft. Yes, we do. So basically just very domestic people. And we, we always joke that we we are so domestic, but then we are really interested in these weird things, such as ghost hunting shows. True crime. True crime, definitely. They're definitely um, related sometimes. Yes, when we're making fun of ghost hunting shows. It's really um, the only way to watch them with any credibility. It's a good time. Um, I really love history. I have two degrees in it, so... I'm a big fan of the law. I have one degree, sort of. I mean, I do have a, a baby, degree. You have a baby degree. I'm going to call it a baby degree. I have an associate's. She has her master's <laughs> degree. She's very impressive. I'm not that impressive. Anyway, okay. So, I think that's really... Maybe yeah. since you like history so much, you can explain what the actual cult of domesticity was in a very quick and timely manner. A quick and timely manner? Yes, ma'am. Not like I have it. Because I know you, and this could go on for hours on one subject. That's not even all we have to talk about today. Um, yeah. So, since I studied the 18th century for two years, it's a great time. Um, the cult of domesticity, actually, I know most people think it's Victorian. 
Did you think that, Ashley? Did you think it was Victorian? I didn't. I thought 1950s, but... Oh, really? I did. I'm not even hitting the 1950s today. We're not going there. (laughs) We're not putting the pearls on. I I have a lot of them, but we're not putting them on. I wish you would have told me that before I went and put them on over my sweatshirt. Um, no, we're going to start with the precursor to the cult of domesticity with the Republican motherhood. Oh. So what do you think that is? Sounds like the right wing of our politics, but I can almost guarantee by the face that you're making that that's not <laughs> what it is. Oh, oh, yeah, you should also know, yeah, Ashley can see my face. She cannot it's see sitting on It's sitting on very old TV. Um, and yeah, again, I am staring at her ceiling. Um, the only way so, we can have the sound quality be remotely passable. So you're welcome. Production internet. notes. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, internet. It's a good way to start the first episode <laughs> of a baby podcast. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So Wait, hold on. can we make that? Can that be the episode title? You're welcome. Internet. Yes. Okay. Um, okay good. So <laughs> Going to the Republican motherhood. Okay. Um, and mind you, me. we're going to probably, Ashley's in charge of the Twitter, and we're going to figure out somewhere, but we're going to cite our sources. We are. Because Maybe the historian of me. We could probably do an open Google Docs folder of just source material. Just material. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> there like was I a said, dance going on there, too. You're welcome. Technical things. Um, the first one. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Republican motherhood wasn't actually coined until the 20th century when you have this big movement, you know, you have the women's movement, and they're looking back at women's roles in the United States, specifically so before and then during and later after the American Revolution. So how women shaped this growing nation. So we're retrofitting names basically yes to something that they think was there okay fair enough all right continue you know um, as one does as one does you know and uh so the central component of this idea is that patriots were going patriot daughters good american daughters good colonist daughters are gonna put these republican values onto their children so basically you're going to educate your children you're going to take them to church you know you're going to teach them to be responsible adults have these good morals and you're also going to make sure your husband stays in line i'm sure everyone knows how well that goes wasn't this during the time period when it was legal to beat your wife with a stick that was less thick than your thumb though how is she supposed to keep him in line Anyway, sorry, continue. That was legal for a while. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> that was seventh grade social studies. Thank <laughs> you, Mrs. Adamson. Um, yeah, so the phrase, according to, uh, I believe it was Gail website, had a nice article on it, nice condensed article on it. Um, it was actually coined in seven, 1976 by the historian Linda Kerber. I probably just butchered your name. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're saying like, into, she says into the 1770s, it's an upper middle class white women's movement 
to, you know, you're going to be a patriotic woman, but you don't have to be in politics. You know, when your friends are like, I'm patriotic, I love my country, let's not talk politics. And you're like, are those two mutually exclusive? And they're saying, no. Ashley, what, you think those are mutually exclu- exclusive? No, Professor Courtney, I don't know if I do. <laughs> I'm not I a think, doctor, I'm a I master. Think, I said professor, you could be an adjunct. Yeah, but then I'd basically be a sad intern with no experience. Is that wrong? No, because I got a degree out of it, and I got paid more than adjuncts got paid. That's fair. Okay. Sorry. Life lesson to anyone who wants to go into academia. Don't be an adjunct. It's really, really depressing. Um, but, yeah, so basically... But we love you adjuncts who teach at community colleges, because without you, I wouldn't have my baby degree. Yeah, but they also get paid less than a living wage, but oh, that's a whole absolutely. other deal. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, so let's. What 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 characteristics do you think this ideal Republican woman would have? Probably. What do you think, Ashley? Probably white. I'm gonna put that out there. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> um. Probably has a small tribe of children. <laughs> Why tribe? It popped into my head. I don't know. Is it because I'm an Indians fan? We're not going to talk about and that. Winning. We're not going to talk about that. Okay, My Red Sox won tonight, anyway. The Reds are more depressing than the Indians. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. I said Red Sox. Oh. The Reds can... Anyway. Anyway. Um, probably... Well, okay, she has a small tribe of children, and then she's definitely married at that time. Yeah, you probably should be married. Yeah, I mean... It's frowned upon otherwise with the village of children. I'm just coming up with different terms now. Um, I feel like I'm taking a pop quiz. Would you like me to tell you so yes, you can please. just stop struggling? Let me, let me stop floundering. Put me out of my misery. You do know I love it. Um, <laughs> so they say the ideal Republican woman could be, let's go for it, not idle uneducated, frivolous, nor can you be a wage laborer, so we're out of this. So we're here, out of okay, this. Okay, wait, no, here's the problem. I was going with the do side of how to be a Republican woman when really they were defining it by the don'ts. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to the do's. Oh, okay, okay, continue. Um, also, African-American, so you were right. Yep. You need to be white. Or American Indian. Because and, let's just yeah. be equal opportunity racists. Yes. Um, so what you need to be is well-educated, a virtuous mother citizen, fluent in your disciplines of theology, a.k.a. religion, Wait, literature. What, what constitutes well-educated in that time period? Are we talking, like, eighth grade? Are we talking master's degree? What are we going for here? Reading, writing, arithmetic, you probably should be able to read fairly well, write somewhat. You know, so write... So basically, you have to have enough education to pass on to your children, and not a whole lot more past that. Yeah, you know, boys can go to school, girls, you should be able to write letters, so, like, that's the multi-group. So yeah, you need to know some theology, so your religion, some literature, so you should be able to read decent-sized books or pamphlets. Um... You should know some moral and political philosophy, as everyone does. Sure. You know, every... Why not? 
I mean, now that that's lock, probably not the Rousseau, case. In the original French, too. May mm. we? Ah, um, writing. You should also be a productive home worker. So, you know, you should run your household. You should know your chores. You should be able to show your servants what they're doing. But not a coarse laborer. Remember that. Okay. I will keep that in mind for my future. Yes. However, this is not meaning it's like the separate sphere ideas. Where, like, the home is the women. And then, uh, like, outside of the home is male. It's not really, because there's kind of that blurriness that you don't see in the Victorian era. Okay. So, basically... Um, I feel like that makes sense, because if you're the one in charge of your children's education and you have sons, it makes sense to me that you would have to at least explain the basics of how to behave outside the home so they don't think that you're raising animals instead of children. Yeah, and basically the concept is you are the moral basis. Like, so you're the concrete... They say... um, the moral and cultural anchor of your family, where okay. you teach them how to behave in public, you teach them where these lines divide. You might be silent in public, but you can debate them in private. You know? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I suppose that makes sense for the time. Yeah. And so you can also care. If it, as long as it's domestic, you can move it into the public sphere. So reformer, education... That's where it can it makes that line blurry. Okay. Think of um, Abigail Adams. Right. So you have these women who are very outspoken. So basically, they're changing the world from their parlor room, except for when they need to hit the streets with it. Yeah, and they they're not confined to that room. Okay. You know, you're not confined as much. Where they can't really concretely say this is how it was i think that's a big misconception everyone gets in history is history the ink is dry it's not dry it's a debate so they're debating they're saying this is what how we think it's going until we find something that someone has a different point of view and can skew it so we have some good female writers at this period in time let me find her name i don't think it's Wollstonecraft. I can't remember her first name. Mary. Mary Wollstonecraft. You know, you have these very forward-thinking feminist writers who kind of fit this ideal where they're scholars, but they also are mothers, and they're showing that they're that these both work, and it's going back and forth. It's symbiotic. So sort of like it's, the mid-90s career woman who can have it all and actually does sort of a thing? Yeah. Or at least appears to have it all. Yeah, where you have more of a role, especially for the upper middle class, maybe like your middle class women, you can still like work within your family business a little bit. There's like, you have these rules, but you can still help out. That's actually more forward thinking than I think most people would consider or would imagine that time period to be. Yeah, and I mean, there, yes, like if you're an aristocrat, it's very, very rigid in some regards mm-hmm. and how the, everyone wants you to see for the record, which let's put some years on this time period. What are we years wise? Um, so they mo like the Republican motherhood is kind of 1700s, 1800s. 
Okay. When we're getting into cult of domesticity, it's starting around 1820s. Because you're hitting the Victorian period. So it's a lot of it's right. the Victorians. Okay. Because we're not just thinking, you know, we're thinking European Western world right. and this. Right. It's not just America. It's, it's happening. These ideas are not mutually exclusive. You have these people interacting. And this, these are really what end up kind of informing what you think of as the 1950s housewives as we started. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we see as the 18th century kind of closes these, when we move closer to Victoria's ascension, I believe it's 1830, 1830 it's, it's, it ends with a nine. It's going to bother me now. <laughs> it's because I knew it. <sighs> the brain Victoria, brain. 37. There are no nines in there. <laughs> there are no nines in there. Why do I think nine? Anyway, okay. So she okay, says yeah. in 1837, and that's sort of when the it's, OG everything's kind of, of domesticity like, is starting to... Solidify. Okay. Into what you think. So, you know, in America, you've had this period where you have had the revolution. It's kind of settled. You're past War of 1812. But not Britain, quite to the civil war just yet no civil war is 1850s 60s okay um so yeah so you see these ideas where like there's these two separate spheres but they're not completely exclusive like the higher up in a society you get the more exclusive it gets which is generally how things tend to go yeah you know, just throw that girl up in a tower. It's fine. Put that thing right back from where it came from. Or stop me. Stop me. Sorry. I just For the record, off. dear listener, she was definitely doing the Mike Wazowski dance now. <laughs> the monster That's thing. That's the sad thing is they can't see my dancing. I know. It was a thing of beauty. You're going to have to take my word for it. It's ridiculous. Okay. So I'm going to be pulling this from um, Professor Catherine Lavender who teaches at um, the second part on the cult of domesticity, so we're seeing the transition. And these ideas I brought up earlier become more solidified, and she's from uh, the College of Staten Island. Fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, in the U.S., it's between 1820s and the Civil War, but in, it's more commonly like the beginning of the Victorian period, which goes until the end of the 19th century. I wonder, did it evolve differently in the U.S. and in, like, Europe because of the disruption of the Civil War in the U.S.? I think a little bit because women I mean, kind could of hard move to around know. a little more. Right. But then you have to think, the British had this expansive empire that they're having to send women get to go all over. So right. a woman's role in India was a little, a white woman's role in India was a little different than a white woman's role in the U.K., Okay. And yeah, as well as their class. Sense. So it sort of evolved its own different, I don't know, not, not flavors, but its own different strains within the different parts of... It's like ice cream, where there's different flavors, <laughs> but it's still ice cream. I like the flavors, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't, that's not the word I was looking for, but I guess it works. I like the analogy, because I just want to imagine, like, like... 
the like in each class can be happy like like the America could be like a vanilla and then like you go down like the upper class is like pure like vanilla and then like the yeah, middle class is like vanilla lenty. chocolate chip you know the upper class is that fancy talenti vanilla bean gelato that you buy for six dollars oh my god is it greater so no then no, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> that, be, that, my dear, is because we are upper and lower middle class, respectively. You being the upper, and I being the 99 cent cardboard box vanilla. I don't think I'm <laughs> upper middle class, but okay. that's... Class is a construct. Right. Let's not discuss it. Uh, I hate discussing class. I know. Yeah, I wrote, like, so many pages on it, but that's besides the point. Um, I know, I read most of them. I remember. Um, I'm so sorry, dear listener, for our rambles. But this is how we roll. <laughs> this is literally every conversation we've ever had. That's been like yeah. This. this is actually more focused than most of our conversations. Yeah, we're doing pretty good, I think. Yeah, um, okay, so we're getting into the cult of domesticity, Victorian flavors. Ooh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Neapolitan cartons of ice cream. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hit my elbow. No, I hit my elbow on my laptop. You are welcome, Courtney. Okay. Definitely don't have enough bruises on me, but that's... <laughs> this is why we can't be coarse laborers. We get all bruised. That we're not grade one apples anymore. No one wants to buy us. That, friends, was an inside joke, because that is what we were talking about right before we started recording this, was grading apples. I may or may not have been in an apple bin this week. Who knows? I have photo evidence. She was. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting the yes. look. I'm okay, getting the we so, need to move on look. Yes. Um, so looking at this early Victorian period, so think first half 1800s. Okay. I'm thinking it. What am I thinking about You're thinking it? it imagine it, the, the corsets, <laughs> the big Gibson hair. Thingy, oh, but I don't understand how they work. If someone wants to explain it to I me, please do. Want Gibson uh, hair? I'm not gonna lie. This is so pretty. You can do it now. You have longer hair than I, I do. do. Um, I could probably do it. But this is this is where it really starts becoming a middle class thing. This cult of domesticity. It's like we're the middle class. Keep your noble nobility and your noble hands off of our social construct. Yes. Also, spookily. The furnace room behind me sounds like something fell, and I'm kind of terrified, but I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> Ignore that fake ghost. You're fine. It's probably one of the cats. Uh, no, they're all upstairs. Um, well, if you die but, on camera, at least we have audio recording of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll know that is what true. Happened. Okay, so we're going to talk first about how it's differing from our pre-industrial because those of you who know the Industrial Revolution is occurring right about now, the first half of the 19th century. Right now, but in the past. But in the past, yeah. Yes. Unless you are listening to this at that point, in that case. Which? Burn her. <laughs> Witchcraft! Witches! <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. There's... And he said that any sufficiently advanced form of technology is effectively indistinguishable from magic. Or am I just pulling that off the top of my head? 
It could be true. We're going to go with it's true. Okay. Um, okay. So now the difference is you don't need the entire family to work. So, you know, those home good people where the whole family would work and make one type of product, you know, like a farm would make maybe blankets and they'd have sheep. Right. Now that's not the thing. Men could work and have like jobs, you know, they could be a lawyer, a doctor. So we're diversifying. Businessman, person. Business, business, business. That's from the Lego movie. Shout out to Corinne because my friend Corinne and I say that all the time and she'll probably end up listening to this, so... You are welcome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep going. Keep, yeah, move on. I don't think you so ever met her. So basically now wives, middle class wives could stay at home and spend, be helicopter parents to their children, kind <laughs> of. You know, the Victorian sense where they were supposed to educate them if they didn't have money to tutors and stuff. So it's still called a helicopter did. parent if helicopters have not yet been invented. Try to think of a substitute, but I, don't know. I can't. Really, it's really nothing. Bicycle parent, right in circles around the kid. I'm sorry. This is Benadryl. It's talking right now because allergies. Why? Because apparently I have fall allergies in New England too. Ragweed. <laughs> okay. Great. Anyway. So this is where we get this idea that to be manly, oh, so manly, um, like guys. Great. Well, that's from lifting apple crates. You're welcome. Um, yeah, this is where we get this idea that the men should go off and work and support his family. Like men should, we're always it's always the idea that men should contribute to their family. But basically, this is where the unless, idea that it has to only be the man. Yeah, and so because the working world is scary, you know, there's temptations. And Whatever violence, and you can get in trouble. Whatever shall I do? Oh, dear. The vapors. The vapors. Um, <laughs> yes. And pretty much, like, women shouldn't work because of these threats. And that's why you should be at home. And you, but you're, you can run the home. You can run the home. That's your, that's your sphere. Like a dog on a leash in a backyard. <laughs> Yeah. You are the boss of the backyard up until your leash hits the end of its tether. And then, nope, no more. Yeah. And we see a lot. <laughs> I'm just thinking. When I say we, thinking. historians who write about this dog on the end of its tether. But this is where we get this cult of domesticity idea, which I love because it was actually referred to it in the time. So it wasn't it, retrofitting a name. It was, this is what we no, are. No, it wasn't. We yeah, it's amazing. We name for ourselves. That's kind of And bad. you see, I highly suggest it, if you can, look up some of these pamphlets, because there's, like, all these, it's, like, magazines, advice books. You got the religious journals, which are always a hoop. Like, you see it in newspaper, fiction, all these things, like. Just taking over the media. Yeah. Of the time. It's everywhere. Um, the most famous one is the uh goodies ladies mm-hmm. book they're hilarious oh my god it's so good it's just like it's like how do you become it's like a self-help guide to become the most ladylike refined middle-class woman ever <laughs> and um so uh i'm gonna assume she's a doctor because it says her name's professor Catherine, dr Catherine lavender um 
says there's really four parts to any proper, any good proper young woman. Are you ready, Ashley? Think about yourself when you're listening to this. I'm taking You know, do the high school musical. (laughs) I'm not doing that. It's okay, I did it for you. Thank you. Um, Piety. Do you have piety? I actually do. Purity. Mostly. Domesticity. Yeah, I think I have that. Submissiveness. <laughs> okay. It's, I'm I, I don't know. Sarcastic, I guess it depends you know? on the day. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with our. Let's Three go with our ideal bad, number right? one here. Piety. What do you think piety in the 19th century meant? Probably roughly the same thing it means now, but the the definition may have been the same, but actually the execution of it would probably be different. So, like, church on Sunday and or whenever else it may be held, depending on your denomination, probably Christian, maybe Jewish, I don't know. Back then, that was probably yeah. questionable. But well, probably in the Jewish community be acceptable well, yeah. for their version. Um, so, ready? Okay. Religion was thought to be a good thing in women, a salve for a potentially restless mind, an occupation that which could be undertaken within a woman's proper sphere. Your house. Your house. I mean... So, you're I working to be... To most of that. But... The part about it only being in your house, I would disagree with now. But well, it's basically... That could just be the Catholic in me. Yeah. But I, I'm just like, <laughs> nope, nope. There's too much of me being in my house with my family. I'm out. Um, but no, you're supposed to work to bring... To get rid of sin. You're supposed to be, like through your own suffering, be, be pure, and you're supposed to have passionless love. Passionless love. Passionless love. Okay. okay got it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> so basically, what do you think if you weren't religious? A fire and brimstone raining down upon you at all times from all angles. Yes. Lots of preaching. Not much practical advice, though. No, just probably not. Of, just a whole lot of repent. Repent. Um, irreligion in females is considered the most revolting human characteristic. <laughs> so you are revolting. And a godless no woman mother though she be. Wait, run that by me again? Godless. Uh-huh. So if you're godless, no right. woman, you can't be a woman, even if you, you can't be a mother, mother, even if though you she kids. be. So basically, if you don't have strong religion, even if you have birth small children, you're not a mother. Yeah. It's an interesting and bold point of view to take, but okay. I think it's kind of like an island. If you don't have one of the things, they just send you off. Okay, bye. <laughs> Just leaving you to ride off yeah. into the sunset on the backs of sea turtles harnessed with your own chest hair. <laughs> I 
enjoy the Pirates of the Caribbean reference. Thank you for understanding that reference. It was real convoluted in my head. Okay, let's get to ideal number two. Do you remember what it was? Uh, so it was piety, purity? Yeah! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. They're related in my brain, so that makes... You are Catholic. It is. Yes, I am. Um... So, you know, everyone loves the good Victorian purity. Got to keep, keep them all tapped down. No babies. Tablecloths. Actually, no babies. Tablecloths, because we can't handle carved wooden feet that look nothing like actual feet, even though that was probably not a real thing that happened. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> my favorite... My favorite purity thing. So basically, these women weren't taught anything about sexual education. Good. That will be helpful for their future. Um, yeah, you want to know my uh, how some wedding nights went? Probably not well. My favorite story I heard uh, was uh, of a woman who was so freaked out by it. That she legitimately ran screaming from the room. Oh. oh, it gets better. To her parents' house and demanded to be divorced. <laughs> that backfired yeah. a little. Yeah, so if we thought our puritanical views were horrible. These were more so. Okay. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> So let's get a nice little advice from the young woman's friend. Ready for this? Hit me, friend. Sit not with another in a place that is too narrow. Read not out of the same book. Let not your eagerness to see anything induce you to place your head close to another person's. Hmm. I can almost see where that comes from from a religious standpoint because... Mm -hmm. In ye olden times, I mean, even now, a lot of churches stress the importance of avoiding impropriety, but also avoiding even the appearance of impropriety when there's nothing actually improper going on, if that makes sense? Yeah. So it's sort of along the vein of either don't put yourself in temptation's way because we're super concerned about sin and female purity and all of this stuff but also even if there is nothing of that nature going on don't let other people don't put yourself in a position for other people to say that there is something improper happening yeah so and I, I kind of understand that one yeah I mean any books you read from this period um any woman who is tarnished let's say <laughs> quote unquote okay um how do you fix that that little scuff? Um, you know, dying. I was gonna say you probably Nor don't. You die in poverty, depravity, or intemperance. Fair. That's fair. So think really of uh, Fontaine from right. Les Mis. Right. Just in a dirty French gutter somewhere. She wasn't in a gutter. She was in a dirty French boat. Floating boat whorehouse. I'm sorry, not whore. Um, sex worker. Sex workers. Thank you, my favorite murder. Indeed. 
But the uh, what's the so you have female purity, but then the problem with it is guys be horny a lot. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that purity culture stresses today is that uh-huh. in one afternoon you're supposed to go from this person who knows nothing of the sexual realm who knows nothing of physical intimacy or any of that has no idea what to expect and then overnight they're supposed to be this wanting it every day and being an active participant in something that they have no basis of comparison for for what's normal and what's not yeah so then you have um, so, cases, like, where they don't know what to expect, and then they go running back to their parents saying, why didn't you warn me what was going to happen, and all of that, you know? Yeah, and so the crazy thing is, because they don't know anything, but they're also expected to keep their husband in check. So you marry this dude, and let's say you do not run from the room. You do the do. You do the do. <laughs> <laughs> The technical term uh, for it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you do the do. You're then supposed to keep his urges under control. You're supposed to make sure he keeps it in his pants. And this is the craziest thing I think about it is this aspect of the cult of domesticity where we blame the wife. Like, how for does she everything. not know? Like, she must be a cold wife. It's like no. This Her is what she was trained to be. Right. Well, that and even if it's not. I don't, in situations like that, I don't think you can lay the blame squarely on one person. There, I mean, no. there's at least two, if not three people or more involved in that situation who all contributed to it in some way, whether through any fault of their own or not. Yeah. And then this is where, you know, did you ever wonder why your parents told you babies came from storks? It did because seem of like it. a very strange... That's, I mean, yeah. This is yeah. why we have all these really crazy innuendos because, oh, purity. Oh, we must be pure, so we cannot talk about it. So we have to have all these euphemisms. I just want to know why they settled on the stork. I mean, pelicans arguably have bigger beaks if you're going for the flying bird metaphor. See, so they could just, like, pop the baby in that giant lower beak of theirs. But yeah, the stork, Jack. not so much. I, I don't know. It just always seems strange to me. But Draw me a picture of a pelican with a baby in it and tell me if it's not terrifying or not. I mean, you probably wouldn't be able to see the baby, so maybe that's why. Because if they have the baby chilling in that lower jaw, you're not really going to see the baby in a picture. True. It's less cute. Also, Maybe look like this, right. the pelicans eating the baby. Um, I mean, okay, that's what is? Though. That's a whole other level of innuendo. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so let's get to ideal number three: submissiveness, which we are both not submissive people. We're not great at that. No. And so this is the most feminine of virtues. Of Let me stroke my long hair and be very feminine. Okay. Like a Disney princess. Yes. Definitely. Like a nineteen fifties and sixties Disney princess. Right. Definitely not the darker Grim Brothers version. Well, well. <laughs> so because men are never submissive. They men are the actors. Ones. The women are submissive to the actors. You're the bystanders. Oh, 
was so helpless. So it's like an actor and reactor dynamic. It's not even a reactor. You're not even like you're, you're supposed just to like just go passive. with it. You're not even reacting. You're just passive and go with the flow. Yeah. Think of like okay, like I said, corsets. Is that an act of submission? I mean, one could argue that, yeah. What about, you know, the 20 billion... How long does it take them to dress? So, you know, like, you have to put all these layers minutes, on. According to Outlander. <laughs> yeah, that's that's 18th century. Mid-18th century. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. Um, Still a see, whole like, lot of skirts to put on. Yeah. But they're in Scotland. It's cold there. That's uh, true. That's true. And then you see them, like... You know, you have this Victorian ideal. You think of the lady who needs a chaperone. She needs a protector, like a male chaperone. Someone always has to, she has to ask for permission. She's so it's always really the shrinking violet archetype that comes into play. Yeah. Yes. Not Scarlett O'Hara, but oh, I can't, I'm blanking on the other girl's name. Melanie? The one. Yes, Melanie from God with the Wind. Yeah. Where she she cannot she cannot hold on. She cannot hold on. She's so weak. But she's like a perfect archetype of this, you know. And then summing this up, we're gonna get to ideal number four, domesticity. So if you can't go outside, you must be pure. You must be pious. You must be submissive. What are you going to do? You're going to be busy doing moral things in your house. You know. To maintain everything. Generally being protected by the menfolk. Yes. They're going to guard your door. So, going to Godie's lady's book, talking about housework, there is more to be learned about pouring out tea and coffee than most young ladies are willing to believe. Just ask Mulan. Yeah, it messed messed up her homework. I'm sorry. I've got to stop interrupting you. Anyway, keep reading. <laughs> Fine, I enjoy it. So, <laughs> the and then we also have, you know, you think love. of the idea where, this is also the per- a period where hysteria comes about for women because they're so bored. Because what are you doing? Needlework, crafts, because they're approved activity. Right. You know, so keeping. Basically, in order to preserve your feminine purity, you have to go to the doctor and let him figure you. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. If you don't know 19th century cures for hysteria, look them up. They're nuts. Actually, probably just don't look them up if you're at work or somewhere where Do you look them can. up if you're at work? No, you will be Cheer fired. Them with everyone. You, you will be fired. Those are not safe for work. Look at the Wikipedia article. Don't look at any pervy <laughs> articles, Ashley. Ashley. I'm thinking Stop Google. Being a perv. I was thinking Google, and we both know. Google has some very questionable search results. Keep your safe search on. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so needlework, crafts, approved, wifely duties, you know, managing your household, keeping the kitchen running. A little bit, think, a little bit of Downton Abbey where, like, you know, you discuss things with the housekeeper and you you organize parties. and. So while the men are off... Doing the things they need to do 
to provide for the family. You basically have to keep the entire home front working and running at its best or else he's going to come home and be super pissed. Yeah, and everyone will judge you because they're judgy duties. Right, because you're a bad homemaker. And that clearly reflects a moral failure on your part. Yeah. And if children, your children are badly behaved or they aren't successful. It's so, so interesting how a lot of this is carried over even till today. Where, like, if you go to someone's house, like, everyone looks down on hoarders because they, well, okay, no. Let me rephrase that. A lot of people look down on hoarders because they don't recognize that it's a genuine mental issue. And they yeah. just see it as, well, they just are too lazy And they don't want to, and I'm not saying that's true at all. I have dealt with mental illness and I understand that it's hard, but there are people in the society who think like it's because of some failing of character that people let things get to that point. And I wonder if that traces back to that whole, well, if you're not a good homemaker, clearly you're an awful person. Yeah. And we're going to judge the shit out of you. Basically. And this, as the 19th century develops and you see more, um, you know, like scientific rationale behind it, it go, plays into this, you know, this idea that women are weaker than men, they're less intelligent than men. All this plays into it. And I think when, in the 1950s, it's still playing around, but when you and I bonded over this idea of domesticity, we're like, oh, I really love expressing myself in these ways. Right. But it doesn't define us. We right. just laugh because we like the same thing. Right. That just happened to be stress baking at like midnight. <laughs> um, cooking. For you, crafting. cleaning. We both yeah, know you I like, like a good clean. Yeah, I do like to clean. But. But yeah, and that, so that's my take on the cult of domesticity from the 18th century to the 19th. There you go. End of the 19th. That was very informative. Good work. Yeah. So if you liked it, um, follow us on Twitter. Ashley, do you have our Twitter handle? I do. It is at Domestic Podcast because Cold of Domestic Podcast was way too long and would not fit. <laughs> um, and if you didn't like it, leave some constructive criticism on what we can do better. Don't be a dick because you'll get nothing from that. Um, yeah. And follow it. us. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. I think you can follow on SoundCloud. So if you yeah, can. Yeah, follow us wherever yeah. you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And I think that's a wrap on our first episode. Good work. Woo! Go team. High five. Oh yeah. 700 miles apart. High five.